Hey, small business owners. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Small Expert, a show for independent retailers that gives you tips and tricks on how to make your business stand out in a sea of big box retailers. I'm your host, The Big Small Expert, Melissa Palermo, and I opened my first retail store almost 20 years ago, and my passion for small business has continued to grow since then. In today's episode, I have questions that have been submitted by uh, independent retailers all over the country. So I'm going to be answering those. For more small business tips and tricks and ways to connect, head to our new website, thebigsmallexpert.com. All right, let's get into our episode. So our first question is, what works best for local marketing? We've tried many things and there's always people that know nothing about us. Good question. Okay. So it's really dependent on your market, but here's my question to you. Do you want every single person in your area to know who you are? Of course you do, but guess what? They're not all your target market. So if you are selling women's clothing that is meant for middle-aged women, say 40 to 60, it is not gonna matter that a tween boy or that a 90-year-old man knows about your business. And my guess is you're like every other small business out there and you do not have a, an endless pit of wealth, an endless bank account to just market over and over and over to everybody. So you need to be really strategic with your marketing. And I've said this before, and it's so important. Find your target market. Try to narrow it down as best you can. I know you're guessing. And I know that if a tween boy came in and bought something for Christmas for his his grandma, you would sell it to him. And if a 90-year-old man walked into your business for something for his, I don't know, niece, you would sell it to him. That, That doesn't matter. Those are ancillary sales. We don't focus on those because you don't have endless amounts of dollars. You focus on the people in the middle, the people who have a have a problem that you are going to solve. They need new clothes. They want to look good. They um, it depends on what you're selling. They have gifts to give. They have events that they're going to. Whatever it is, you are solving a problem for them. So who are the people with that problem? So narrow it down by gender, then narrow it down by age. So once you get more often than not, chances are at your business, they may be women. But let's say it's a tackle shop, okay? You sell fishing equipment and most of your um, audience, most of your target market are males. Okay, what age are they? Mm, Probably say... 35 to 65. Okay, let's keep narrowing it down. Um, What's their relationship like? Are they married? Are they more likely divorced? Are they more likely widowed? Uh, Do they go to church? You know, what are they doing on Sundays? Um, When do they tend to fish? Do they have full-time jobs so they're not able to fish during the day? They're also not able to come into your store during the day. They need to come in the evening. Are they busy doing other things? Do they potentially have multiple jobs? Are they more blue-collar workers? Are they more college-educated? 
you can go on and on and on. What type of music do they tend to listen to? Well, they come into your tackle shop. Maybe they're not, you know, new age music listeners. Maybe they're more country. Okay. What do people who like country tend to be more into? Maybe they're more beer drinkers. Maybe they're more into grilling and cooking out. They're not vegetarians. They're big meat eaters. You can just go on and on and on and on and on. Okay. You're basically making up a story about the customer, the average customer that is interested in your product and your store. So to answer your question, what works best for local marketing? That you're going to have to look into. Okay. Not everyone's local market is the same. It's going to depend on what your business is. What do you carry? What do you do? What your target market is? Who are they? What are they into? And then once you figure out who they are and what they're into, that's how you figure out how to talk to them. Okay. So if they are younger, let's say they're millennials, you are probably going to talk to them through Instagram. You're not going to talk to them through newspaper ads. You're not going to talk to them through um, a coupon clipper, that type of thing. So that's what you need to do. Now, I understand that brand awareness and your business awareness is very, very important. So always keeping mind to be branding. So if you're posting things on social media or on your website, go ahead and just throw your logo in the bottom corner. Just watermark it with it or just add it. Create a hashtag for your business um, that then they can search and find all your posts. And that also allows your customer to also hashtag you and um, draw attention to you. I know I've gone all over the place, but I'm so passionate about marketing and finding your target market that you really need to do that work and then decide what you think is the best way to speak to people in your community. Okay. All right. So let's see. Our next question is, oh, oh Lord. How do you feel about charging back the credit card fee to the customer? I'm seeing more and more businesses do this. My personal opinion, don't do it. It's awful. It's terrible. I think we as Americans, as humans, as shoppers, are tired of seeing quote unquote surcharges. Um, you know, you go to book a hotel, then all of a sudden there's a resort fee. There's also taxes and whatever. And we've gotten kind of used to sales tax, but not all those extra fees. You go on to one of those apps to book, say, a, an apartment or a house. And then there's extra cleaning fees. There's always surcharges. They just call them different things. You want to buy tickets for a concert, chances are you're going to have to go through the giant behemoth known as Ticketmaster. And when you see that your seat is $100, by the time you're done paying, it's going to be like $150 because of all the surcharges. So I do understand that businesses out there are adding additional fees for credit card purchases. I think that's a terrible idea. I think it makes it... I, I, <laughs> It makes me angry. It's like they're nickel and diming me. When I went to the shelf and I picked up this product and it said it was $25, yes, I know in my mind that in my state, 
there is a 6% sales tax, I'm going to have to pay tax. But I am not anticipating that I'm also going to have to pay 3% because you're going to take my money through a credit card. Nope, 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 nope. Now, on the other hand, I've also seen businesses go through and offer a discount if you pay cash. Mm, mm. I don't like that either, to be quite honest. It needs to be simple. Buying something should not be hard. I say that all the time. It should not be hard to buy something. You're already, as a customer, doing something so you're, you're doing something good for that business. You are buying their product. Now, yes, they're helping you. It solves a problem. It solves a need in your life. Um, but you're doing something for that business. You're buying it from them. Then it should not be difficult after that. It should just be, here's my money. I'm out the door. Now, I do think that looking at your credit card fees, your merchant services fees is important. And figuring out, you know, maybe I'm going to pay more in merchant services fees if I take Discover or if I take American Express. Okay, then don't. Just say you take Visa and MasterCard. That's reasonable. Or I know that if they use a debit card and I run it through as a credit card versus a debit card, I'm going to pay just a little bit more in a fee. Chances are if they're transaction is over $50. Okay. Then in that case, train your employees, train yourself to say, hey, do you mind if I run that as debit? Because chances are they don't care. And if you're running it for them, you don't have the little machine point of sale that's kind of built in and they run their own card, which most of you probably don't. You probably still run it for them. Then just say that. Um, do you mind if I run it as debit? Instead of debit or credit, well, they'll pick whatever, you know, but if you ask the right way, chances are you'll be saving a little bit of money from there. Um, the other thing is I have been known to say to customers, you know, they'll say, do you take uh, credit? I say, yes, but we really appreciate cash. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so to answer the question about how I feel about charging the credit card fee back to the customer, I think it's awful. I don't think you should do it. Um, and look, most of the big box stores are not doing that. They're just building it into the price. We'd rather just be blindfolded to really what all the extras are in what we're paying. We want to know what the final price is. Okay. All right. Next question. Many cities are implementing a plastic bag ban. Would you charge your customers for a bag? Good question. Um, we are in an area that uh, does not, it's starting to happen. Some cities, we don't live in like a large city. So some areas, some municipalities in our area are starting to do that. No more plastic bags. Okay. Um, I would never charge my customer for a bag. That's just nickel and diming them again. Um, you can implement the thing where they bring their own bag, they get a discount, a five cent thing. Eh, I don't know how great that is either. I'm not a huge fan of that, especially because if I bring my own bag, I always hate having to say, oh, I I'm supposed to get five cents back for my bag. Like, that's just silly. 
Um, and not that I mind bringing my own bag, although half the time I leave them in my trunk. So if you want to try and save on bag costs, you can go back to paper bags. You can do it. Um, or another option is to, if they have just one item, do you need a bag for that? There you go. Chances are they'll say no. They might not. Giving them the option, not just automatically putting it in bag. And making sure that you have bags that actually fix the items. So sometimes at a large department store at the mall, you go, you buy two shirts, and they give you this giant bag. It's got big handles. You're walking down the mall. It's hitting you in the leg. It's whacking into people. It's uncomfortable. Because all they have are bags that are like this big. But I didn't buy anything that big. Yes, it will fit a comforter in it, but I didn't buy a comforter. I bought two t-shirts. Um, so keeping that in mind as well, because in general, bag prices are by size. Um, the other thing is to get together in a co-op, a partnership, work with other uh, local retailers, and all go in on buying bags. So you're going to get a volume discount. Maybe you don't need 10,000 bags. It will take you two years to go through that. But maybe you and two other businesses that you work well with, you guys can go through that in six months. Okay, let's get that discount and get them cheaper by piece. So keep that and shop around. A lot of times um, we just get, as, as business owners, we just get kind of on autopilot with things. Well, I've always bought from this company and so that's just who I'm going to keep buying from. You know, don't be afraid to shop around. All right. So to answer that question, uh, yeah, don't be charging your customers for bags. I think it's a bad idea. I think it goes completely against good customer service. <clears throat> All right. Our next question. What are the best ways to create charitable drives that customers and the community will get on board with? That's a good question. Um, I think you need to look at, first of all, what products are you carrying? So if you're a toy store, you're going to want to partner with Toys for Tots. And maybe in your area, Toys for Tots, which for many of you who might not know uh, what that organization is, it's run by the Marines. They started it many years ago, and they collect toys for um, uh, less than privileged children, shall we say. So you're going to want to partner with them. And there may be in your local, there's going to be a local chapter. So now maybe you don't sell toys. Maybe you sell makeup. Maybe you sell, maybe you're a salon and you sell hair care products. All of those items are needed for teenage girls, which are, are definitely hard to buy for, especially if it's a, a child that you don't know. Um, so that's another great way is thinking, oh, it's toys for tots, but yes, hair care items, huge, um, makeup, huge clothing store. Um, you could always partner with your local, uh, social services agency. So in our area, what a lot of people will do is they will go to the social services agency and they'll say, Hey, we would like, um, you know, 30 names of kids or families who are in need this holiday season. And many of the social services agencies will have um, their 
clients fill out forms of the things that they need or the things they're looking for. You know, yes, it's mom, dad, and four kids. Here are their ages. Here are their clothing sizes. Here are things they're into. Um, you know, we're, we're really in need of a turkey, all sorts of things. Okay. So, um, look around your community, look at other businesses, see what they're doing as well. And maybe you can get in on that. Partnering together is great. Um, look to your local civic organizations, look at the Rotary Club, look at the Lions Club. What are they doing at this time of year? Look at your library. Um, there are a lot of places to get ideas of what your community already supports. So you don't necessarily have to make something up. You can get in on something that already exists. And that's what I would recommend um, is going along with what other businesses are doing. Uh, okay, our next question is, what should my regular retail price end in? A zero? 99, 95. There's a lot of, this is all opinion. It's all conjecture. There's some studies behind it. There's some psychology behind it. Um, do you just end it in zero? You know, it's a flat $10. Or are we going to play that game where it's 9.99? Or are we going to play the game where it's 9.95? Or, yeah, that's, I, I mean, or it could be something completely random like 9.92. I, I don't know why you would do that. Um, I am a huge feeler. I, most purchases are done by emotion. Okay. You might think, oh, I need a new pair of shoes. Maybe, you know, do you really need a new pair of shoes? Maybe. Um, but you see these incredibly beautiful shoes that are $99.99. Now you're not an idiot. You know, that's a hundred dollars. However, $99.99, it feels different. It feels different in the brain. It feels different in the heart. It doesn't feel like $100. I mean, you know it's a penny from $100. You're not tricking anybody. It's not like you're trying to be shady. Um, so I always say you end in a nine. Um, so when you're doing your regular retail pricing, you're going to want to at least keystone. And for those of you who are unaware of what keystoning is, you are taking the cost of that good. So let's say it cost you $10 to bring that item into your store. It's $10. You're going to double that. That's keystoning. So you want to make at least $10 on it. So that would put it at $20. Now I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you, look at it, look at that item and go, Hmm, $20 retail. That's reasonable. Do I think I could get 25 for it? Quite possibly. So I would encourage you to market at $24.99 to just get that extra bit of margin because you're going to have things that you're going to be able to make more than Keystone on and you're going to have things that you're going to be able to make less than Keystone on, especially after discounts come into play, um, after, you know, with coupons and things like that. So I'm going to tell you, I say end in 99. I don't know. You can make an argument against it. There's arguments for every single side of it. But personally, I'm going to tell you end in 99. All right. Our next question, how do I find new customers? That's a great question. Don't we all want new customers? Um, we want as many customers as we can find. 
I'm going to say there that I mean, there's a few things to do to find new customers. Certainly getting out there, being the face of your business, um, building relationships. So if you're going to some, you're joining the Lions Club, the Rotary Club, whatever, um, you know, hi, I'm Melissa Palermo from the Big Small Experts. Um, oh, what's that? It's a podcast, whatever. And I am now just marketing my business. However, how do you find new customers who are going to come into your store and shop? Um, the main thing is planning. So you need to you need to be marketing. We all know that. And that's not just advertising, by the way. Advertising and marketing are two different things. Um, but it is not something that you do here and there. It is a constant thing. So a lot of times businesses will go and they'll look at their sales. Ooh, my sales are flatlining. Um, you know, we're not growing or, ooh, we're down a bit these past few months over last year. How can I boost sales? And then they'll start marketing. Um, they'll go on social media. They'll take out some advertisements. They'll run some specials. They'll do some partnerships. They'll have some events. They'll do all sorts of things. And then sales start to go up and they're like, "Woo, we're good. And then they stop. Big no-no. So actually doing it consistently all the time is one. And having a plan. I've talked about in a previous episode a marketing plan. And it's huge, huge. You need a marketing plan because you're going to be in the thick of it. You know, come the day after Thanksgiving, you should have already plotted out months before everything that you wanted to do regarding marketing through the holiday season and after, okay? Because there's still money to be made that last week after and maybe even into the new year, depending on what you carry. So um, you need to plan it out. And I know it's hard. I tend to be, I am structured, but I am, I can be swayed easily. So if I have sat down and I have built myself a plan, I love a plan, that's great. But maybe on that day that I look at my plan, I go, I don't feel like that. Um, so at least you have a guide and you don't have to follow it constantly. But if you want new customers, come up with a plan. Come up with different things that you can do in your community to get people to walk through the door. And I'm going to say when you look for new customers, go back and look at the customers you haven't heard from in a while. Chances are you should have a point of sale. So go through your point of sale, look at your customers, see what they're buying, see who has been in and who you haven't seen in a while and contact the people you haven't seen. It is a lot easier to get a previous customer to come back in and shop with you than it is to find a brand new customer who has never been in before. So do both. It's super, super important. All right, we've got one more question. See how we're doing here on time. Um, how do I become more productive? Well, isn't that the question that everybody asks all day, every day, I think. Um, and again, I think it comes down to structure. And again, as I said before, I am structured, but I sway easily. Um, so come up with a plan of things that you want to do each day. Um, maybe you plan it out by day. Maybe you plan it out by week. 
Maybe you plan it out by sections. Um, either come up with a to-do list, the things you want to get done. And remember, you're not going to get them all done and some will carry over. Or come up with a, I mean, you can really drill it down if you wanted to. I'm not that person, but it could be in the AM. I'm going to do this, this, and this. After lunch, I'm going to do this, this, and this. In the evening, I'm going to do this and this and get ready for this the next day. So that is, I really think that's one of the ways to be productive. Another way, put this down. Now, I do a lot of work on my phone, so I have it with me a lot. But what I've come to notice, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is that I'll be do 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 do. I'm going to post something on Facebook or Instagram. And when I open up my account, I see all the posts of other people. And then I get sucked in. I'm like, oh, what's happening here? Oh, this is going on. Oh, let me see who commented that. Oh, that's a good question. Let me read that. Oh, what a cute picture. I should share that with. So I'm going to text that to. So and then I get sucked in. And before I know it, 20 minutes is gone and I still haven't posted what I was going to post. So being really cognizant of the distractions and putting your phone down. So maybe you actually set time to do your posts or you delegate them out. That's always a, a, a possibility too. But let's say you're doing it yourself. Um, you set a time. There are schedulers in all the big social media apps and if those don't work for you, there are external schedulers that you, schedulers, what a weird word, that you can use um, to help you stay focused and stay on track. The other thing, one more thing on being more productive is knowing that you may have 25 things that you want to do on this Wednesday. And guess what? You may get one done because something will come up. Maybe you get barraged with a ton of customers who need help. That's great. Maybe you get, um, you know, maybe unfortunately something happens and there's a plumbing leak. Maybe you have other things in your life that might take priority. Family, children, dog, whatever. You have a home. You have other things that need to be taken care of too that might pop up. So, you get a call from your child's school and they need to go home right away because they're super sick. You're the one who has to go get them. It happens. Don't be afraid to forgive yourself if you don't get things done the way you planned. So keep that in mind. Um, unfortunately, the world is an imperfect place. I try to tell my kids that because it throws them all off when things don't happen the way they want them to or expect them to or the way they planned on. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a weird dichotomy, having a plan, trying to stick to the plan as best you can, and then allowing yourself not to stick to the plan if you need to. So, all right, these were all really, really great questions. I appreciate all of you for submitting these. These are excellent. Um, so thanks again. Keep the questions coming. I probably will do another episode like this because I absolutely love answering your questions. Um, thanks again for tuning in to The Big Small Expert. I'll catch you again on our next episode.